Warning. The stories in this podcast contain depictions of violence and suggestive themes. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to the Baseline Feed Podcast. Just a short, heartfelt message to you, the listener. We truly do appreciate the support from listeners like you through the winter and our short mid-season break. Just a little refresher on our story so far. Please enjoy a supercut of the first four episodes of the Broken series. This job was going to be the death of me. Life's not supposed to be like this. Wake up, work, sleep, repeat. No one grows up expecting to be a 36-year-old divorced single dad. I'm... I'm tired. (laughs) Something's gotta change, or something's gotta give. I barely have time to spend with my son anymore because I've got to pay for her. Her goddamn everything. I would give anything for all of this drama to end. To be happy again. What the hell? Hey, babe, you busy? I'll be the first to admit that the message was a shock. One minute, I'm in the middle of a stale turkey and cheese. The next, my ex-wife was not only friendly, but flirty? My mind reeled. How should I respond to weeks of tears, brutality, and arguments? And Marcus... Poor Marcus. Teenagers process divorce differently. I hear him crying when he thinks no one can hear. If this bitch thinks a few kind words are gonna... What the... Brad? About to go to lunch. What's up? Turbulent emotions locked up my insides. I couldn't breathe right. Why did it show that Brad was responding? I got big news! K. Don't K me, you asshole! I'm pregnant! My phone slipped, hit the table, and fell onto the floor. Fifteen years of memories came flooding back at once. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I stared at my phone on the ground. My heart felt like it was about to beat through my chest. What the fuck? Brad? You're supposed to be my friend. You sure? What about... I know, but... No, no, I am happy. This is great. Hey, text me the info for later. Alright. Okay, bye. I picked my phone up off the floor and looked through the cracked glass. The cell company must not have completely separated our accounts yet. Occasionally, Helen would get my text messages, but I never got any of hers. Until today. 
I knew when she would get mine because she would call at the most inconvenient times and proceed to complain. <laughs> Why is your mother texting me? You need to call the goddamn phone company and sort this shit out. Bitch. Meet me at my new place after you get off. 1984 Elm Street. We can celebrate the good news together. I can only stare at the words between my spiderweb screen. A burning coldness spread through my body. I felt an empty void in my soul. My vision blurred and pulsed with every heartbeat. Hello, Earth to Aaron? You in there, buddy? Huh? What? With, um, seven... I mean, that's the... What? You okay? What are you... Ah, shit, man. You break your phone? I sat open-mouthed for a moment. All I could imagine was choking him to death with my hands around his throat. I wanted to devour this traitor's soul. So, I'm gonna have to bail on coming to your house after work. Oh, yeah? Hot date? <laughs> nah, I forgot that I volunteered to work a double today. Production is down on the floor, but the warehouse reorganization never ends. Aw, oh, man, you got that pissy look on your face again. I'll make it up to you. Hot, burning rage ran like magma through my veins. I somehow forced a supernatural calm onto my exterior. If I didn't, I might just dump his body in one of the chemical vats before shift was over. I locked eyes with this traitor, ready to unload. Hey Aaron, you done with lunch yet? Wally needs you to move some barrels of nasty shit down to the disposal area. Saved by the fucking bell. Mm, no, looks like I got work to do. We'll catch up later. Yeah. Hey, I know the divorce has been rough on you and Marcus, but things will get better. We'll all plan a guy's weekend or something. I'll get your mind off things. Like you fucking my ex-wife? Like you having a child that would grow up to be Marcus's half-brother? I feel the shell of my phone's case cracking under the pressure of my grip. Sure, just text me the info for later. Uh, okay. Don't spill any of that hazmat stuff out there. Sides nerds have been cooking up some gnarly shit lately. It won't give you superpowers, but it will melt you down to the bone. I should dump whatever this hazardous stuff was into this break room while he's eating. <laughs> Backstabbing prick. I walked out of the cafeteria and threw my phone as hard as I could against the nearby wall. I felt warm blood pooling in my hands. I'm pretty sure a piece of the case broke off below the surface of my paw. Whoa, you okay? I'm good. Just cut myself. I'm gonna go clean up and get those barrels over the disposal. Alright, don't let Wally see you running around bleeding everywhere. He'll have a shit fit. The rest of my shift was a blur. I acquired an icy calmness in my soul that bordered on the tranquil. It was how I imagined Dahmer felt with a fresh head in his fridge or gain when he made a new lampshade. I had visions of destroying Brad's car in the parking lot, but there were too many security cameras and people. One, nine, eight, four. 
I knew where he'd be tonight. I just meet him later. The house number burned into my brain. You know what? I may just burn down the place with him in it. As long as they both suffered, I didn't care. I loved and hated this whole fucking town. Perhaps I'll cleanse the city and bathe in its ashes. <laughs> or perhaps I'll do it a favor and take out the trash. Hey, asshole! The light's fucking great! Let's go! Oh, don't worry. I got this. Let me show you. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. I watched the whole scene as if I was an audience member attending a play. I enjoyed the viciousness, the power, the culmination of rage on full display. I was excited and frightened at the same time. I watched my hands begin to close around the man's throat and I panicked. I, I took back control, and I left the broken man lying beside his car. The stranger's idling engine carried his vehicle slightly forward, and he acted as his own chalk block. Felt good, didn't it? I looked at myself in the mirror. I didn't recognize that twisted smile staring back at me can't say that I appreciate assaulting someone in broad daylight. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. Right. Stay focused. I think I'm gonna confront Brad later in a place where he can't deny anything. I'm gonna help you take care of your other problem, too. Oh, yeah? Oh... <laughs> Just wait. I'll show you. <laughs> A sinister vision filled my brain for the rest of the drive home. Walls were painted in blood and there was much suffering. The whole time... An unfamiliar face smiled at me from the other side of the rearview mirror. Sure you're okay today, Dad? I've had better days, but this one sucked pretty bad. The adrenaline rush of my drive home had left me feeling drained. I had to save my strength. It was gonna be a long night. You mind if I turn on the news? I'm supposed to give a report on current events tomorrow for school. Sure, bud. Go ahead. And now, local news. Police were called to the scene of a savage beating. 50-year-old Highbridge High School teacher Jacob Walls was found by a local resident mm. who's out for an How about you watch that in your room? Sure, I guess. You're, you're headed out later? I might meet up with some of the guys from work later. Why? You looked like you had a stressful day. Is Uncle Brad gonna be there? God damn it. I felt that other... Part of me started to creep back towards the surface. I struggled to keep my breathing under control. Dad, are you... Fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, the dish slipped, that's all. Go ahead and head up to your room. I'll finish cleaning up. I'll see you tomorrow. Marcus hung in the doorway for a second. I could see glossy wetness reflected in his eyes. I gave him my best fake smile as I picked up the broken pieces and watched as he silently disappeared into the darkness of that house. Apparently I'm failing as a husband, 
friend, and father. Time to take back control and set things back on track. Like when I took care of that piece of shit in the car behind us. I finished cleaning up the kitchen and left out a side door into the garage. turned on the light to search for a few tools I'd need for tonight's rendezvous. Dust and cobwebs decorated the corners. It took me a minute to find the box I was looking for. It had the words painting supplies written in loopy feminine handwriting across it. Another wellspring of hate bubbled beneath the surface. The feminine handwriting was a reminder that Brad wasn't the only one to blame in all this. Helen was Marcus's mother, but she was also the source of his misery for the last few years. A constant barrage of snide comments and put-downs were a daily occurrence. Not just from her, but her whole family. Her entire family family was a train wreck. I swear my father-in-law, well, ex-father-in-law, cried tears of joy at his own wife's funeral. I held the white clean room suit in my hands. I had to wear protective clothing like this when dealing with hazardous chemicals at work. It covered the whole body, except the hands and feet. It also didn't leave any trace residue behind. I had the matching polyvinyl gloves and shoe coverings as well. I would have my revenge. But I couldn't take care of Marcus from inside a cell. I saw something else out of the corner of my eye. It was beautiful in the subdued light. I walked over to my workbench and reached out. A familiar wood smooth texture caressed my skin and embraced my Louisville slugger like a long lost friend. I knew where to park so that I would be out of the way. Ash was one street away and bathed in darkness. The shadows covered me as I walked down the sidewalk and cut over to Elm. I slung a small black bag around my shoulders and did the best I could to conceal the bat next to my body. The sky was overcast. The night held its breath in anticipation of the coming storm. I saw Brad's car parked in the driveway behind Helen's. I felt my face and hands go numb. There was always a small part of me that wanted it not to be true. That it was me that was the problem. Time to become a problem solver rather than the problem. The voice was right, but I had to know for sure. I stuck to the dark areas and circled around to the side of the house. The backyard wasn't big. I stopped just out of view and watched them through the large bay window. Apparently, Brad was hilarious. I could make out Helen laughing through the window. 
you know, they might actually be good for one another. Oh, they deserve each other. <laughs> My chest was tight. It was hard to breathe. I wanted them to pay for every second of betrayal. I gently placed the bat on the grass and pulled the clean suit from the bag. It slid silently over the top of my clothes. I pulled on the gloves and flexed my fingers. The shoe coverings fit tight over my boots. I picked up my bat and stood. Let's go through the side door. We know she doesn't check a door lock that isn't the front one. The voice was right again. The door handle turned, and the door swung inward. Brad and Helen's conversation became clear as I moved into the house. All he does is sit on the porch up at the cabin and drink. My sister moved in with him because he wasn't taking care of himself. Did you get enough to eat? I'm stuffed. I probably still have room enough to make you dessert later. Stop it! You're bad! What's wrong? How are we gonna tell? Aaron! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm afraid Aaron isn't here right now. <laughs> but I was. I was watching the tragedy that was my life play out. Only this time, I found a way to correct my world when it went wrong. I loved the rush of adrenaline. I could feel their fear as eyes wandered from my appearance to the wooden bat in my hands. Aaron, what the fuck do you think you're doing in my house? Get out! Uh, hey, take it easy, man. You're probably wondering what I'm doing here. I- Shut up, Brad! Aaron, get out of my house! I'm calling the cops! No, wait a minute. You can't- I swung the bat in a hard, overhand swing. Brad barely got his hand up in time. It temporarily saved his life at the cost of every bone in his wrist shattering. Get away from me! I stalked through the rooms. Every step increased my anger. Why was this bitch hiding from me? I'm sure that we could work everything out if I could just have a moment of her time. I can understand a momentary lapse of reason. Everyone makes bad decisions now and again. I felt the intentions of this voice of reason inside my head. It had a lot of good ideas on how to solve many of my problems. Permanent solution to these... These... Temporary setbacks. I can't say that I disagreed too much. The results brought a level of satisfaction that I had been missing this past year. I felt... In control. Live. <laughs> I see you. Get away! Please leave me alone! <laughs> but honey, 
night is a celebration. There's so much to be thankful for. I don't think I'm being unreasonable. Aaron, please. I should have told you about being friends sooner, but I'm pretty- I'm not fucking unreasonable. <laughs> I saw the bat rise and fall. It cut through the air and connected with the side of Helen's head. The light left her eyes immediately. Her brains and what was left of her excuses splattered against the wall. I lost my breath at the viciousness of it all. The beating didn't stop until the entire room was painted red. I felt like I was just along for the ride. Something escaped Helen's chest that looked like smoke ascending towards the ceiling. I reached out and grabbed a hold of her wispy bit of soul. The smoky haze shuddered in my grasp. Helen's screams of terror echoed from far away. I marveled at holding on to the essence of life. There was no denying it. I felt like a god amongst mortals. <laughs> no, we are god amongst mortals. Helen's soul pulsed for a moment and then absorbed into my body. Pure ecstasy flooded my body. I never felt anything like this in my life. Is that? that is the power of life, a twin soul. A mother's soul and her child's are one until birth. <clears throat> Gives them that tasty motherly glow. <clears throat> I stood for a moment, letting the feeling wash over me. The rush of power was undeniable. Blood slowly dripped from the ceiling. It was a grisly scene framed by the stormy night. Bits of flesh hung off picture frames and the dresser. I wiped her hair and skull fragments off the bedspread. There was work left to be done. I walked back to finish the conversation with my best friend Brad. What? He wasn't where I left him. The front door stood open. Rain soaked the floor. I walked over and peered out into the night. Brad's car sat silent in the driveway. I turned my attention back to the inside of the house. Brad, it seemed, recovered enough and tackled me to the ground. <laughs> You killed her. You bastard. Normally, Brad would easily take me in a fight, but I could tell he was hurt. He was at a disadvantage with a broken wrist and broken or cracked ribs. His misfortunes were my game. I thrust my hips and sent him crashing into the glass coffee table. I stood and brought my boot down onto his chest. I felt the bones give way and watched him curl into a ball. I retrieved the Louisville slugger and steadied my shaking hands. The amount of adrenaline pumping through my system brought flashes to my eyes with every beat of my heart. Behold, I and the rider on the hill. Death follows me. I ground Brad's face into the broken glass. 
I held his head in place as I thumped the bat across his ribcage. Once, twice, three times. I could barely hear his ragged breathing over the sounds of the storm. I raised my weapon high into the air, ready to strike the killing blow. I held it there for a moment, knowing victory was inevitable. I eased the pressure off Brad's face and lowered the bat. Quick death wouldn't suffice. It wouldn't make us square. It wasn't enough. I bent down and stared into his eyes. Flashing images of him and Helen together rolled through my head. I immediately understood that it was my job to ensure that he suffered. I stood and kicked his face as hard as I could. The toe of my boot broke the bridge of his nose and caved in the front of his face. I calmly took a seat in the chair across from him and watched as Brad choked to death on bits of broken glass, bone, and his own blood. The bat rested gently on my lap. A thin wisp rose from the body. As I reached out my hand, it curled around my fingers and absorbed into my chest. That same euphoria rushed across my body. This time, though, I felt the voice pull away, and a sense of dread washed over me. The smell of rain mixed with the faint iron odor. My euphoria turned to anxiety, which turned to panic. I stood up, and the back clattered to the floor. Gore and viscera dripped from my protective garments. I felt like I had bathed in violence. I ran out of the house and into the night. The rain was cold, and I took shelter underneath a tree and stripped my outerwear back into the black canvas backpack. I, I needed to burn this evidence as quick as possible. I needed to get back home. I took a few minutes to collect my thoughts before turning the key. I felt the full weight of my choices and didn't know if I would be able to hold up. I looked up into the rearview mirror and saw a maniacal grin staring back at me. Oh, don't worry, Aaron. This is only the beginning. There's much, much more for us to do. Trust me. Unseen things in the night move around me. The veil weakened. I've had nights like this before. I felt a bit like Eve after she bit the apple. Too much forbidden knowledge inside my head. 
Death walked the streets somewhere in Highbridge. The fury of the storm was unnatural. The realms were out of balance. My damn head was pounding again. I saw flashes of a house, blood, violence, fury, then panic. I felt my heart leap to my chest. I paced to the front window until nothing. I felt like hitting a brick wall. I collapsed to the ground, shaking. The rain continued to pour outside, but the unnaturalness behind it was gone. It could have been minutes or hours, but it was still dark and rainy when I collected myself off the floor. My nightshirt was soaked with sweat. Hair stuck to my face in weird spots. I felt dirty. I needed a shower and coffee. I could already sense that there would be a phone call in my future from the Highbridge PD. I always thought from a young age that I would end up working for one of the three letter agencies as a profiler. Dad met Mom while working a joint mission for the FBI. He was CIA and they fell in love. They both lived the happy retired life in a Vermont cabin somewhere in the Adirondack Mountains. As fate would have it, I ended up getting into a car accident the day after my graduation from Quantico. I suffered a traumatic brain injury that could cause my vision to blur without warning. My hope of working at the federal level withered to nothing. The accident connected me to things beyond this world. My newly acquired talents led me to the town of Highbridge, a cosmic crossing of the weird and supernatural. I was cursed with the knowledge of different realms because of my gift. The mount hell, the far, and the grove all opened their influences inside the city limits. Each realm fought for influence and power over the others. They used this world as a battleground. Humanity was caught in the middle. The veil was our only protection. Well, the veil and people like me. It was fortunate that the desperate detective named Scott Solomon hired me as an outside consultant. I proved myself a useful talent and helped him capture a dangerous child kidnapper and closed a portal to hell. Of course, the Highbridge PD doesn't know about that last part. I spared the people who paid my salary the details of horrifying demons and visions of long-dead things. I could never find the right words to explain my special talent. Detective Solomon liked to call my unique talent my spider sense, like I'm some kind of superhero. I wasn't a perfect human, but sometimes I felt like I had a guardian angel watching over me, my own personal celestial from the mount. Good morning, Detective Solomon. We got a mess here, Nikki. A goddamn mess. The sun was fully above the horizon. Bright red and orange clouds dominated the sky. It looked like the town was on fire. I slammed the rest of my cup. Give me the details. 1984 Elm Street. The neighbor across the street noticed the front door open this morning. Two Vicks. One male, one female. They both appear to have suffered massive blunt force trauma sometime around 10 or 11 last night. I have to finish getting dressed. I'm about 10 minutes away? Ah, take your time. The lab rats are still photographing and taking samples. It's pretty brutal. We might have a real sicko somewhere out there. Yeah, I got it. 
I took a deep breath and closed my eyes. Lord, take this cup from my lips. I had a strange feeling, though, that things above could be just as cruel as those below. Everyone had an agenda. I hope another portal hadn't opened. The last one didn't close so easily. to the next door neighbor Tanya Waters earlier and she said and I quote the inside was like a slaughterhouse Ms. Waters told us that a young woman had just moved into the residence not too long ago she suspected something was wrong when she was walking her dog this morning at about 6:45 and saw the wide open front door we'll have more on this situation as it develops this is Lacey West WKIL News Channel 10 Highbridge are we clear, Tom? You're supposed to tell me when we're fucking clear. Jesus Christ, you think I like standing around all goddamn day smiling like an idiot? Is this your first day on the job? Amateurs. Well, it must be serious. Look who decided to show up. Lacey. Nikki. Care to tell me what's going on inside? How can I do that? I just got here. Bullshit. Don't get cute with me. The PD don't call you in for nothing. I remember you helping take down that creep kidnapper a few months back. Also, word inside the department is that you're really good at finding evidence that turns their nothing into something. Is it a crime to be good at your job? Come on. Give me something to take back to the studio. How about we set up a one-on-one -on -one interview? You name when and where. Sure. Just wait here for five minutes. And if I'm not back, just wait longer. How did the news get here so damn fast? If I didn't know any better, I'd swear that Lacey was the one with the supernatural gift. The overwhelming smell of sulfur made me pause at the front door. I looked around, but no one else seemed to be affected by it. Demonic activity typically left a rotten smell in its wake. I concentrated for a moment. The smell faded into the background. I saw Detective Solomon talking to the coroner over a male victim. We got a positive ID yet? Bradley Linton, 38. Local address in Highbridge. We're still trying to contact next of kin. Cause of death? It's unofficial, but Doc says that Brad was struck multiple times by that bat over there. Worked him over real good. But the killing blow came from massive trauma to the face. Kicked in the face? That's a hell of a way to go. Probably choked to death on his own blood. I started to feel my vision blur. I felt a sharp pain in my wrist as it broke. Terror washed over me. I couldn't believe someone I knew would do this to me. I felt impacts to my chest and my back. My face was ground into the broken glass on the ground. I felt the kick to my face and gasped as I struggled to breathe, slowly choking to death. And the soul, oh my God, the soul, it was gone. My vision slowly refocused back to the present. You all right there, Nikki? Yeah, I get the impression that Brad knew his attacker. You have any hard evidence to back that up, or is that your spidey sense tingling? My charming personality and good looks aren't enough? Damn. Have the doc check his right wrist for fractures, and I don't think he was killed first. Where's the other Vic, the female? Back in the bedroom. I was first on the scene for the Tate murders last year. And I think this bedroom is worse. I remembered the Tates. The sheriff and the mayor both ran me off that case. The investigation got even messier when a local DJ pulled a prank on air with some local author trying to promote a book. The politics in this town could sometimes be more dangerous than the criminals. The bedroom was a mess of blood and gore. 
Dried viscera and wide splatter patterns dominated the corner of the room. Texans' simple protective suits gathered samples and snapped pictures. All right, you lot. Clear out. We need the room for a few. I waited for the room to clear out and stepped carefully over the body on the ground. This was Helen Rathman, 38 years old. The address on her ID has her living across town, but neighbors confirmed she moved in a few weeks ago. Apparently, she was newly divorced. She would tell anyone who would listen that she was finally free. Doc said that the cause of death was most likely due to severe head trauma. Probably dead after the first or second whack. I'm guessing that fat in the living room was used on both of them. This felt different. The fear mixed with an unchallenged rage. I saw a tall, dark figure standing over me. No, several dark figures. Glowing red eyes stared at me. I felt I recognized the face, but not the voice. The voice was different. Sinister. Deadly. I felt the urge to begin pleading for the life of my... Baby! I'm sorry. What? Did you say baby? Don't tell me there's a dead kid, too. The Vic. She was pregnant. How the hell can you know that? There's plenty of bumps on this poor lady, but a baby bump isn't one of them. That could be the motive as to why she was killed. Someone found out she was pregnant? We should probably track down her ex-husband. I felt the same empty space in Helen as I did Brad. Her soul and her child's soul were both ripped away. <sighs> yeah, we might want to ask him a few questions. couldn't get it out of my head. I kept seeing the faces of my best friend and my ex-wife being bashed bloody over and over again. I was equal parts disgusted and deliriously happy. It felt like I was a passenger in my own body. I drifted on autopilot through the mindless tasks on the factory floor. Rathman, Rathman, you're gonna answer your fucking radio sometime today? This is Aaron. Finally, put on a suit, get a forklift, and move your ass over to Hazmat 12. Now. I wonder what the emergency was now. Joel was always wound up about something. I didn't need his shit today. I was buried under the workload of two people. Brad was a no-called-no-show. About fucking time. Look at this mess. Hazmat 12 was where the company stored all its dangerous or failed projects. It was isolated and ignored by just about everyone that didn't need to go there. Nothing was supposed to stay more than five days. But the way this place cuts corners, items often stayed a month or longer. What do you want me to do about it? Organize it, smartass. We got our new owners coming in the next few weeks. I have trucks coming in beforehand to get rid of most of this shit. Wait, what do you mean, new owners? Are you deaf? ISB was bought out. They'll probably close everything down for a month while they retool or some shit. I put you and your loser friend Brad on the list to be fired or transferred. Fired? How am I supposed to take care of my family? Who cares? That bitch of an ex-wife is taking most of your pain alimony anyway. Guys like you are a dime a dozen. <laughs> 
I could probably find a replacement for half the price down at the Home Depot. Now, get this shit ready to ship out. If you run over on your shift, too bad. No overtime slips will be approved for this week. You might finish on time for once, if you skip your lunch. Oh yeah, almost forgot. I had your piece of shit truck towed from the lot. You didn't renew your company parking pass. That mother Really? My truck? I don't need this stupid fucking job. I can't be fired. It sounds like we have another problem that needs to be resolved. We can't do anything here. There's cameras everywhere. So, let's get him when he goes home. He leaves early today. It's his Friday. You're not listening. Let's go visit him in the Heights. Yeah, the Heights. That's where ISB gives all their execs and managers a free place to stay. But how will we get past the security? <laughs> Haven't you learned to trust me yet? common threads between Brad and Helen was Helen's ex-husband, Aaron. Brad was Aaron's best friend, according to the interviews, and Aaron and Helen had a son, Marcus. Even if Aaron had a solid alibi, this visit would provide valuable background to our victims. There was something not right with this house. I couldn't shake the feeling. I felt a pressure on my chest. Terrible thoughts raced through my head. I filled my lungs with deep, calming breaths. You okay, Nikki? I'll be alright. I was just trying to clear the Elm Street scene from my head. I was hoping this Rathman guy could help connect some dots. Yeah, me too. Plus, we need to let his kid know that his mom is dead. That too. Who is there? Detective Scott Solomon with Highbridge PD. I need to talk to you and Aaron Rathman. Can you open the door, please? Are you Marcus? You got ID? Sure, kid. Who is that with you? My name is Nikki Reed. I work as a special consultant with the Highbridge PD. Can we come in for a minute? I can talk to you out here. My dad isn't home right now. He's still at work. Fair enough. Is your mother Helen Rathbun? Yeah. There's no easy way to tell you this, but she's dead. She appears to have been murdered. I watch a glisten wash over his eyes, as if they unfocused and refocused for a second. A chill ran down my spine. The air felt thick, and I struggled to remain outwardly calm. Something was wrong. Uh, you alright, kid? Yeah, I understand. When did it happen? Sometime last night. When was the last time you talked to your mom? She called me a few days ago. I was supposed to see her new house next weekend. Do you know where your dad was last night? He was here with me. He helped me with my report for school. Then we watched TV until after the news and went to bed. Shadows gathered inside the house. I reached out and steadied myself on the porch railing. I closed my eyes to steady the vertigo, then nothing. Everything just returned to normal. You all right there, Nikki? Yeah, it's... it's nothing. I looked at Marcus and didn't get any of the same feelings. I reached out with my senses and felt... nothing. A blank, empty, nothing. That was almost as disturbing as the shadows from before. 
Look, Marcus, is there someone we can call for you? Someone that can come over or anything like that? I'll be alright. Dad'll be home soon. How was the relationship between your mom and dad? I don't know. I could hear her yelling at him a lot over the phone. But dad didn't think I could hear. But I heard enough. Here, take my card. Have your dad call when he can. We need him to answer a couple questions. It might help us narrow down a suspect. Alright. You sure about not having someone come? Okay then. What do you think, Nikki? I don't know. There's something strange happening, and I don't know if this is just the beginning, or it's a one-off. Highbridge is a magnet for the weird. You don't have to tell me. I know. The impound yard was closed by the time I finished my work. A bus ride later, instead of home, I saw the heights. I discovered that the back entrance was unsecured and it led me up to an emergency stairwell. It was time to see how far down the rabbit hole this adventure would go. Now, I was staring at the front door of the world's biggest asshole boss. It was bad enough losing my first love to my best friend, but then to turn around and mess with how I provide for my son? It was too much. I had no plan, but I had a pair of gloves. Go ahead. The door's unlocked. I reached down and gently turned the knob. To my surprise, the door wasn't locked. I stepped inside into the unknown. My heart beat faster as I looked around the posh space. I didn't see any sign of Joel. I froze at the sound of a chair pushed across the hardwood floor. I melted into the wall and waited. As soon as I saw Joel, I knew I wanted his blood. I wanted his soul. This bastard would pay. Tonight... He draw his last breath on Earth. The knife from the butcher's block looked brand new and sharp. The blade was weighty in my hand, and I knew it would have no problem piercing flesh and carving through bone. I stole a quick glance around the corner and saw that Joel's back was towards me at a desk. The glow of a laptop light surrounded his body with an unnatural halo. I pulled the knife in tight and came around the corner fast. Who the fuck are you and what are you doing in my home? Panic washed over me as I stared down the barrel of a pistol aimed directly between my eyes. My hands were frozen in place, almost twitching in anticipation. Aaron, is that you? My turn. What's wrong with your voice? I felt like I was back in the theater of my mind as an innocent spectator. I watched as my body moved with an unnatural speed. My right hand opened, letting the knife drop to the floor. My left hand reached out and gripped hard on the slide of the gun. My pinky made it just in time to stop the hammer from falling on the firing pit. 
I pushed my full body weight into Joel and shoved him hard. He left his feet, hit the wall, and bounced back to the floor. Somehow he kept a hold of the gun as he struggled winded on the floor. We are legion. We are many. We were once cast aside, but now we've returned to take revenge. I mounted Joel's back and quickly pulled him up to his knees from behind. I reached out and took control of his gun hand, pulling back the hammer. I felt Joel's muscles tense as I forced the gun around his face and placed the barrel in his mouth. I forced my finger over the top of his and pulled the trigger. No! No! I... No! Joel's brains and skull splattered on the desk and wall behind me. I let go of the body and let it fall forward. I watched the blood pump a few times out the hole in the back of his head. Stood up and checked myself. I was clean. No blood. No blowback. Nothing. I couldn't believe it. I examined the carnage behind me. A bloody mess cried down the white wall. His awards, certificates, and diplomas were covered in drippy gore. Now the best part. The thin soul exited through the hole in his head. I reached out and embraced it like a long-lost lover. The smoke circled my body and then entered through my chest. I was filled with vigor and the essence of life. A righteous, vengeful justice flowed through my body. I needed this feeling to survive. I could tell that there was nothing else in this world that would satisfy. Nothing else in this world that could nourish like this. I looked at the laptop on his desk and noticed something that caught my eye. Joel had his work email open, and I saw a company message from our plant boss, Cody Comstock. Joel, I appreciate you sending me that list of personnel to lay off. With the cuts you recommended, we'll save almost another $100,000. We're going to shut down the plant for about a month to retool and move some products around. Why don't you join me and your new bosses at a get-together this weekend? They plan to buy more local businesses in this town and make changes to drive up the profit margins. I know they'll love some of your ideas about how to cut the labor costs. The invite is attached. Print it out. Bring it with you next weekend. Respectfully, Cody. I looked over at the printer and saw the invite information already printed out. I picked up the paper and stared at it. This motherfucker didn't just help sell out the plant. He was planning on selling out the whole town of Highbridge. It looks like we did everyone a favor. Joel already sent off the changes to hire. I probably won't have a job at the end of next week. That's true. But we do have a party to attend. This time, I think I have an idea. Um, oh, really? Time to make all of them pay. Act 1 of the Broken series was written by Arthur Ankh, featuring the voices of J. Philip Morris, Katie Tatry, Rebecca Mersinger, T.J. Hodder, Spencer Leininger, C.M. Peters, Shannon Carruthers, 
Tanner Wood, Daniel Barton, Eric Phones, and our resident old man. Musical arrangements for Act 1 were by C.M. Peters. Again, we do truly thank you for every tiny bit of support over the last two years. And it is that support, whether emotionally or otherwise, that keeps the BLF alive. I would like to also welcome a new patron to our family, Patrick Stewart. Thank you for your support. It truly does mean the world to us. If you would also like to support the show, please make your way to, first, our Discord server, where we've built an awesome community of self-dubbed bassliners, and second, to our Patreon site where you can support the BLF monetarily. We will see you tomorrow for the next episode here on the Baseline Feed.